Isn't it great to be living for God? Hallelujah. Now, if God doesn't do anything, I'm going to be disappointed. I don't think I'm going to be disappointed. I feel like God's got something great He's going to do for us today. He's a great, wonderful God. There's nothing He cannot do. Doesn't matter what you're going through, God has the answer. We have been baptizing people uh, every week and it's, it's a God thing. The Lord is getting the people ready for His coming. And so for the last several weeks since the month of August, I think the last time I looked at the number, we have baptized 26 people in the name of Jesus since the month of August. That is incredible. And I believe it's just the beginning. I feel like God is moving on many people's hearts. And matter of fact, you may have come today, and before you leave today, the Lord may impress you to be baptized in Jesus' name. I think we're running out of time, quite honestly. The coming of the Lord is nigh, and it's important that everybody obey the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to open up the Word of God to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. So good to have those of you who have been coming recently and you're back again today. God bless you so very much. We pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. What an opportunity to live for God today. So, Without any further ado, Colossians chapter 2. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein... Also, you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And for just a few moments, with your help and with the anointing of God, I want to preach complete in him. Complete in him. Let's lift our voices and let's give God praise. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm thankful for your goodness. You have never failed. You never will fail. You're here, Lord, to do a great and mighty work among us. Lord, you're here to take over. You're here, Lord God, to destroy the works of darkness. You're here, Lord, to save every soul and to strengthen every saint. Oh, God, we give you praise. Oh, God, we give you glory. Oh, God, we give you honor. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Is that my friend, Sister Carrie, back there? 
Sister Carrie Meter, is that you back there? It is. All right. Good to see you this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Many years ago, Jesus had just stepped out of the temple. And as he was leaving, his disciples greatly impressed with the temple architecture and the buildings of the temple. And they begin to remark about what a magnificent edifice the temple was. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And uh, a year or so ago, I stood and I looked at some of these big stones that had been hurled down to the ground from off the walls, and, and uh, they have been excavated and, and sitting right where they were when the Romans threw those huge stones off the walls. It was quite uh, a sight for me to think about when I realized that this was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus that not one stone would be left upon another and that they would be thrown down. And so the disciples listened to what he said. And then when they got to the Mount of Olives in verse 3, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? There were three questions that the disciples asked. They asked, when shall these things be? He talked about the throwing down of the stones and so forth. And then they asked another question, what shall be the sign of thy coming? And then the third question was, what shall be the sign of the end of the world? The answers to these questions are intertwined throughout Matthew chapter 24. But I want to point out to you that when the disciples ask about signs of end time events, I know some of you remember me saying this, but I've got to make sure that everyone understands that significance should be given to what came out of Jesus' mouth first. When they said, what shall be, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And what shall be the sign of the end of the world? Before he mentioned wars and rumors of wars. Before Christ mentioned nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom as being one of the end-time signs before Jesus mentioned famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. When asked about the end-time signs, I want you to remember what Jesus mentioned first, ahead of all those things. It's found in verse 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, 
and shall deceive many. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in the end time, and we should not be surprised by the campaign of deception that is going on right now all around us. I have never seen it so much as I see it now. I see the campaign of deception in politics. It's rotten to the core. I see the campaign of deception in the financial world. I see the campaign of deception in the sports world. I see it in the educational systems from kindergarten all the way through our universities. I see a campaign of deception in the entertainment industry. And right now, it may be impossible to find non-biased, objective-based journalism that does not have an agenda. What's going on? Simply this. Jesus pre predicted a satanic campaign of deception and delusion that would be in progress when it was time for him to come back. This campaign of deception and delusion has even infiltrated people's belief in and worship of God. Jesus warned us, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. What's going on? The word Christ is the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. That many shall come in my name, saying, I'm anointed. And let me just make sure you understand. When somebody has to tell you they're anointed... They're probably not. A man's gifts will make room for itself and bring him before kings. So just remember, there's going to be people walking up to you trying to sock it to you in the name of the Lord. Are you still with me? What's going on? We're getting close now, very close to the coming of the Lord. Many shall come and say, I am anointed. And here's how they'll do it. They'll say, well, I just feel that this is the way we should do it. You know, I, I just feel like this is what should happen. I, I just believe that, that this is what should be being done. Without taking into account what the Bible has to say about that particular subject. Peter, as an elder... In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, makes an amazing statement. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Very much so. You know that. But I'm going to tell you that the most sure word of prophecy you have is right here. Anything that goes against this book is false. Anything that contradicts this book, I don't care how they shake and quake. I don't care if they roll in the floor. Doesn't matter to me if they call fire down from heaven. If it goes against this book, it is false. 
And we need to understand that and believe that. He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. This word of God, this book is shining in a dark place right now. But it's a sure word. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to say, well, what do we do now? Maybe I need to change what, I, what I'm doing. No, stick with the book. If the book says it, you're safe. If the book says to do it, do it. If the book says not to do it, don't do it. Just let this more sure word of prophecy shine in your heart. It is a sure word. You can be confident in this book. Hey, listen, some of you are facing life decisions and you're wondering, what should I do? Let me assure you that you can be confident in this book. It's a sure word. There's no doubt about it. You do well to take heed to this sure word. This word is a light that is shining in a dark place. You know, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, I believe that God's going to increase the, the signs and wonders that, we're, that he's going to show the world to, to help them come to the truth. And I thank God for signs and wonders, and, and no one should turn away from that. But I don't want a lying wonder. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to be deceived at any time. There is no substitute for God's word. Somebody started preaching a while back, somewhere along the way in our society, that uh, if you love everybody, you don't have to pay any attention to God's Word. As long as you just love God, love your fellow man, that's what counts. You're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay, and that is a part of Satan's campaign of deception. Love is good, but love is not a substitute for God's Word. We need to love God. We need to love our fellow man. We need to speak the truth in love. If I'm going to preach about hell, I'm going to preach about it with tears in my eyes because love has to go along with the Word of God. But love is not the cure-all that takes the place or is the substitution of the Word of God. Sincerity is a must. God wants everybody to be sincere. I see a lot of sincere people. Cornelius was a sincere man. He was a just man. He prayed so much that his prayers came up as a memorial before God in heaven. And God said, you know, that's a good man. I can't just let him go to hell. And so he says, you send for Peter. He's going to tell you words by where you and your house shall be saved. And I challenge anybody to find what was different about Cornelius before and after the apostle Peter's visit to his home. And I would show you that the only difference is, is that while Peter yet spake the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them that believed. And Peter looked around and said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? For they heard them speak with tongues. Then Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. You see, Cornelius was sincere, but sincerity is not a substitute 
for truth. You can be very sincere and very wrong. You can believe something sincerely and be very wrong. But you know what? We need the Spirit and the truth. We need love and God's Word. We need faith and God's Word. You don't have to take away the Word of God to have love. You don't have to take away the Word of God to have faith. You need Spirit and truth. For the Bible says God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must, not could, but must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. There is no substitute for truth. Matter of fact, the power of truth is incredible. Jesus stated in John chapter 8 and verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. What? He said, if you want to really truly be my disciple, you have to continue in my word, and then you are my disciples indeed. And then he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I don't know if you realize why the devil fights Bible truth so much. It's because it is the one thing that sets men free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Listen, folks, I do not want to be one of the guys that stands before God and says, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. Lord, I healed the sick in your name. Lord, I did many wonderful works in your name. And he would send to me, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. How in the world could that happen? See, I have a greater burden. I have a burden for every soul. You probably hear me say this a lot. But I have a burden for all souls. I have a burden for the addict, and I have a burden for the alcoholic, and, and I have a burden for the prostitute, and I have a burden for those uh, who are panhandling downtown. I have a burden for everybody that is lost, uh, but I have a special burden for those who are lost uh, and have taught Sunday school for 25 years. I have a special burden for those who are lost uh, and have preached the gospel for 40 years. I have a special burden for those uh, who are lost uh, and have attended church and have a pen for faithfulness attached to the lapel and yet no one has ever told them what the word of God has to say about salvation and how there are things that must be done according to the word of God and it's not optional it's not multiple choice it's right or wrong and so Paul writes I'm back to my text now. I'm not going back to the beginning of the sermon, but hear me. So Paul writes, in light of all of what I've said, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. He said, take heed that no man deceive you through philosophy and vain deceit. See to it. What in the world is philosophy? Philosophy is man-made theories about God. That's what philosophy is. They may sound good, but they're man-made theories about God. And so when it originates with man, that's a philosophy. It's man-made theories about salvation. 
man-made theories about life that are in contradiction to the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, even if you're Cornelius and you pray so much that there's a memorial that has your name on it in heaven, that does not take away your responsibility to obey the word of God. For I tell you of a truth, that the Lord Jesus shall come in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them that know not God, and have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You won't find salvation in the wisdom of the Athenian philosopher Plato. You will not find salvation in Socrates or Aristotle. It's not going to happen. Philosophy will not save you. You cannot go to the teachings of the ancient Babylonians and expect to get to heaven. Now come on, I'm preaching to you this morning. You cannot go back to some man-made philosophy about God that harkens back to Babylon and expect that that is going to be something that will save you. Philosophies that are built on human intellect, human rationale, human tradition, and not the Word of God will not get you to heaven no matter how popular they are, no matter how wise-sounding they seem, no matter how convincing it is to you. So Paul gives us this warning. He says, Beware. Beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now listen to me carefully. Human philosophy says Jesus is in the Godhead. The Bible says in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Human philosophy says Jesus is one member of the Trinity. But the Word of God says, in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Don't get me wrong. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. And I believe in the Holy Ghost. And I know who He is. His New Testament name is Jesus. He was the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, the Holy Ghost in our hearts today. And we thank God you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It is important, so important, that Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. What in the world would be so important that would make Jesus say, Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And then when you pull back the layers, you understand that Jesus was saying the same thing that Almighty God said at the burning bush. He said, except you believe in the Hebrew, which means I am. 
You shall die in your sins. You go back and, and you read that passage. And they said, well, who are you? He said the same that I told you from the beginning. You go back to the beginning. And Moses is bound before a burning bush. And Almighty God is saying, you tell the Pharaoh that the Ehe, the I am, has sent you. And Jesus said, except you believe the Ehe, you shall die in your sins. Except you believe that I am. And the King James translators were so honest, they put the word he in italics because he was not in the original text. And they thought, that doesn't seem to make sense, so I'll put he there. But it actually was written, believe that I am. If you do not believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. And then isn't it something in the same chapter, just a little bit later, He said, before Abraham was, I am. If he was just saying, before Abraham was, I was, he would have said, I was. I was there before Abraham. That's not what he said. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I am is one of the titles of Almighty God. It means never absent, always present. It means you don't have to go back to the past to find him. And you don't have to go to the future to find him. It means that it is the Almighty God. And Jesus said before Abraham was, uh, I am. Somebody said, well, what's the matter? What, what, what's so important about that? Well, Jesus said, except you believe Hey, 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 you shall die in your sins. And three verses later, it says, and they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. I am coming tonight, this morning, to preach to you the revelation of Jesus Christ. To preach to you that you are complete in him. That he is all you need. That when you sing, he's all I need. It really is a fact. He's all you need. He's the Father. He's the Son. He's the Holy Ghost. He's the healer. He's the Savior. He's the Deliverer. He's the Rock. He is your fortress. He's your shelter. He's the root and the offspring of Jesse. He's the door of the sheepfold. He's the sheep in the sheepfold. And He's the shepherd of the sheepfold. Woo! I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost. Can you tell? Because this truth sets people free. It's truth of the word of God that delivers. You're not going to get true freedom unless you preach the truth. And the truth is found in the covers of this book. The truth is, is that Jesus is the Ahayab. That Jesus said, I and my Father are one. The truth is that Almighty God is present here in this place and his name is Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins hallelujah hallelujah somebody says oh it doesn't matter well it doesn't huh well how would you feel if your bride thought she was in love with three different men I think I'm starting to understand why he said, except you believe that I am. Just because as a husband, you're the provider. You're the romancer. You're the father of her children. She should not think that because you have different areas that you do in your life for her. Each time that you do something different, that's a different guy. Think about how frustrated it is when 
somebody's praying and God is just starting to come into their room and, and he says, just a minute, I got to leave you. I got to go talk to your dad. Just a minute, I got to go talk to the Holy Ghost for a while. Let me, let me tell you something. When you say Jesus, you've said the name of Almighty God and you are complete in him. Which is the head. I'm in verse 10 now. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now, don't get uncomfortable. Stay with me just for a moment. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And I'd I'd like for you to notice, we have it up on the screen here, but if you have the King James Bible, which is the most accurate English translation, you'll notice the punctuation mark after Christ. And the punctuation mark, you'll notice, is a colon. Now, Brother Jafrida, you're a teacher in school, and I am not. So if I say this wrong, correct me instantly. But I have looked... And I have discovered that the colon is a punctuation mark that precedes an explanation of what has just been written. I heard him say that is right. So let me say it again. The colon is a punctuation mark that precedes an explanation of what has just been written before the colon. So, in whom also... You are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And then he puts a colon there because he says, I need to explain what I just wrote. And so a colon is placed there. And then it says, here's the explanation, buried with him in baptism. So he says, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him. It is the burial with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Let me just say this to you, and just stay with me for a minute. I, I, I feel like I'm in the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament... Circumcision of the Hebrew male was mandatory for God's covenant. The Lord met Moses at an inn and sought to kill him. And had it not been for his wife, Zipporah, who went out and circumcised his son, who he had failed to circumcise, God would have killed Moses right there on the spot because he failed to circumcise his son. It was God's covenant with Abraham. Abraham received his covenant name at circumcision. It was a cutting away of flesh. In the New Testament, the Bible says you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. Do you understand? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. 
Do you understand? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Do you understand? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've been baptizing people since August 26 so far. And I pray there are more to be baptized today. I'm not in trying, trying to increase the role of the church. I'm just trying to help people be saved. Because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. New Testament water baptism took the place of Old Testament circumcision. In the Old Testament, it was mandatory. God said, if they're not circumcised, they're not mine. In the New Testament, he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I know that there is a campaign of deception in politics and I know it's an entertainment and, and I know it's even uh, when we try to hear a non-biased journalist give us uh, some objective information of what's going on today. But I also want to tell you that that campaign of deception has reached its gnarly long talon claws uh, into the church and people are going around without being baptized in the name of Jesus because somebody told them as long as you love Jesus as long as you pray the sinner's prayer as long as you accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior that's all you have to do but they're not looking at the word which says repent and be baptized every, every, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins if baptism is just an outward sign of an inward act then why does the Bible say that it's for the remission or the cutting away of sin and why would the Bible say that being buried with Christ in baptism is the fulfillment of the Old Testament covenant of circumcision not the cutting away of flesh but the cutting away of sin and the answer of a good conscience toward God listen I'm not trying to split the body of Christ. I'm trying to add to the body of Christ. I'm trying to decrease the number of people who will stand before God and they will say, I've healed the sick in your name. I've cast out devils in your name. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm trying to decrease that number. It doesn't matter what I think any more than it matters what you think. But it does matter what the Word of God says. Thy Word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. You can't change the Word of God. You can't move the lighthouse. You can't say, well, I don't think it's important. You can't say, I feel that this is not necessary. You can say it, but it doesn't make it true. Thy word, O oh God, is forever settled in heaven. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Can we lift our voices and our hands to the Lord? I love you, Jesus. Tada boku ribisanta romundo rabaha santa ramokoto. Trust me when I tell you, I have many people watching online that I love very dearly. And I have people here in this building that I love very dearly. I have nothing to gain by what I'm saying except to make sure that every man, woman, and boy, and girl who wants to be saved gets saved according to the way the Bible prescribes. There is a prescription in the Word of God. You have to follow the prescription. 
When the Bible says repent, it's not saying it's optional. When it says get baptized, it's not saying if you feel like it, pretty please. It doesn't say, and you could receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some people do. No, it says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Philosophy says baptism is an outward sign of an inward act. The Bible says baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is for the remission of sins. Philosophy says receiving the Holy Ghost is optional. The Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Philosophy says the Holy Ghost is a separate and apart from Jesus Christ. The Bible says the Holy Ghost is the breath of Jesus. Matter of fact, let's take Jesus' own words. In John chapter 14, verse 17, even the spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Ghost, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But look, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He said the spirit of truth that the world doesn't recognize, but to his disciples, he said, you know him, for he's dwelling with you right now, and he shall be in you. And then he says, oh, if that's not plain enough, I'll make it even plainer. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He was talking about the Holy Ghost. He said it's the spirit of truth. And he said the world doesn't know anything about it. But you know him because he's sitting with you right now. And he shall be with you. He shall be in you. And he said I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus Christ said that he was the comforter. And see I know these things because... Not because I'm smart. A lot of people smarter than I. But I know it because I prayerfully studied this book. And I found that what the early church believed is what I believe. And what the disciples and the apostles preached then is what I'm preaching now. It is the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And so Peter the aged, in 2 Peter 1, 19 again, said, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. God's word is a light right now. I believe it's shining out through the internet as I'm preaching. I believe this light, listen, by the way, I don't care how far away you are, we'll find a way to get you baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't care how hard it is, we'll find a way. What are you talking about? I'm talking about being obedient to the Holy Scriptures. God's Word is shining right now. It doesn't matter how dark your night is. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. Matter of fact, I have baptized people who were very close to death. And I baptized them in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter. The powerful beam of God's word right now is illuminating. You see, 
God is chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And the word of God is illuminating. It's revealing. It's bright beam is inspiring and strengthening. It is setting you free right now, shining into your darkness and lighting up your life. And it's like the psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This word is a very powerful flashlight. It's shining light into your path. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then Peter said, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. In other words, uh, take courage. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. The day of Christ's return is at hand. The day is about to dawn. And in the daytime, you won't need a lamp anymore. In the daytime, you won't need a flashlight because there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever and he said unto me these things are faithful and true and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done behold I come quickly blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book Behold, I come quickly. There's a light shining right now. It's the lamp of God's word. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I know that John was, Jesus was talking particularly about the revelation book, but it also applies to every last word of this Bible. For the Bible said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's not of any private interpretation. Hallelujah. I know you must think, is this all this guy knows? Because that's all he's been preaching since August. That's all he's been preaching. Well, I'll tell you why I've been preaching. Because several of the people won't, so I have to. And people have got to know what is the entrance requirement to make it. They need to realize that, yes, Jesus died on the cross. And that they obey his death by repenting. That, yes, Jesus was buried and they obey his burial by being buried with him in baptism. Yes, Jesus arose from the tomb and yes, you obey his resurrection by receiving the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit of God into your heart. And don't say it's optional. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says without the Spirit of God, you are none of his. Well, somebody said, well, I, I got Jesus. I just haven't received the Holy Ghost. I, I, See, one false doctrine leads to another. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says there's one Spirit of God. Paul wrote, now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. John said, God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Don't say that the Holy Ghost is optional. 
For one thing, it's the most beautiful experience you'll ever have a chance to receive in your whole life. And the promise is to you. Why would you reject that promise? But as important as that is, perhaps that pales in comparison to the fact that the Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. How in the world are you going to fight the devil and do the good fight of faith without power? And the Bible says the power comes after you receive the Holy Ghost. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Oh, I just want to say, Jesus, you're so awesome. You're so mighty. You're able right now. Whatever it is that somebody needs, God, you're able to fulfill that need. Whatever it is, Lord, that somebody's lacking, you're able to fill that lacking. Don't turn the Word of God away. Don't say, well, I know the Word of God says it, but I have my own feeling about it. Well, you can do that, but to your own destruction. Stay with the Word. Obey the Word of God. Love the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. Obey the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could we just close our eyes now and just seek the Lord for a moment? God, I love you. I praise you this wonderful day. I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you, Lord, for all those who are with us online. Lord God, they're precious, precious people. And I thank you, Lord, for those who are with us in the building, very precious people. God, you're so good. And I pray for those who will be going through the Internet and they'll come to this and they'll, they'll sit down and your spirit will lead them to watch this video, God. And, and they're going to come to the realization that they need you and they need the Word of God and they need to be born of water and of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. I thought it was so nice, so wonderful, the, uh, the folks that came up from Texas several months ago, who I think probably are watching uh, with us this morning. But they came all the way from Texas to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. Do you know what that said to God? That said, God, your word is important. If you'll go thousands of miles to take a vacation, why not go thousands of miles to obey the Word of God? It's that important. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.